The following program is produced by the Tech Talk Radio Network. I don't want to buy just the absolute primo system out today that usually wastes money. So I'll be doing some digital photography, maybe some video editing. Don't do any gaming at all, so I don't have that demand on the computer. I was wondering what you guys would suggest, either in brands or just in general speed, and where do you go to get the maximum bang for the buck right now? Sounds like you want a Mac. <laughs> <laughs> all right, people, take out your notebooks and pencils and slide rules. You're listening to Tech Talk Radio with True Geeks. And by the way, I'm Dee Snyder, and I'm a geek, too. Welcome to another episode of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Broadway. And we are the show that talks about computers, technology, and the internet. Man, it's so good to see you. How have so you been? You. First try, we we accomplished something you didn't think I remembered because I've been gone so long. Yeah, Come on. it's been no seriously. It's been what three months, maybe three two if three not months. More. Yeah, maybe if not more. Maybe even yeah. more. Uh, I know you've you've had like an extremely busy schedule. Uh, you've made a couple of trips to Cali that you've had to do. Um, but I tell you, it's and good. Texas. It's, and Texas, so. It's good to see you. Now, for those listeners that don't know, you're in uh, good old Wisconsin. I'm in Wisconsin. Yeah. How, now, yeah. have you guys been faring? River from Minnesota. Is it? No, is it? See, I'm, I'm terrible at my geography, and I know we, we have listeners that live out here that are from Wisconsin. Um, so how, how close is it to the Minnesota? I'm literally off the Mississippi River, just south of Red Wing, Minnesota, which is, you know, there's, the Mississippi River runs right between Minnesota and Wisconsin. So I'm on the river. So I could just... Th- I can't throw a rock as far as I need to, but it is a rock's throw, a, yeah. pre- a pretty long throw, but it's across the water. Now, do you know where Zimmerman is? Have you ever heard of Zimmerman? I'm pretty sure that's uh, Minnesota. I don't think it, it's Minnesota. It might be. I yeah. mean, I, it wouldn't doubt me. Yeah, I've got a, so my granddaughter and my great-granddaughter and my grandson, they're out there. He's a Marine marine recruiter out there in Zimmerman. So I'm. Uh, we were we were talking about actually planning a trip next year to go out there and, and visit them and see them. We haven't seen them in like two or three years. So, and my grandson. Well, you know where I'm too. at. So, yeah. So if you get extra time, you know, I'll have to take care of you. <laughs> well, there's a lot going on in the tech world. You've been doing a lot. Um, some of the stuff we've been talking about over the last uh, few months are Synology backups. Uh, you've had, you know, uh, crypto, which has been kind of going up and going down. And I have to always say, anytime we talk about crypto, we're not, advising any anything when it comes to that we might mention it we might talk about it um we may dabble in it some of us don't but again it's it's not it's not telling you hey check this out uh we make nothing off any discussion that we have but uh it's a it's an interesting world because it's powered by technology uh it's i mean if you take a look at crypto it's it's all done the digital mining it's put in the blockchain and you know, that's what I know about it. Now, you've gotten into an area that I'm not familiar with, and we hear the term NFTs, non-fungible transactions. Is that is that tokens. right? Tokens, non-fungible tokens. Okay, so you've gotten, what made you decide, okay, I'm going to take a look at these NFTs and, and get into it? Um, my kids. Yeah. They, they uh, my oldest son. Um, got me, you know, I, I mentioned off air, we talked about, uh, the major wins and losses you can do in Bitcoin mm-hmm, worlds mm-hmm. or the coin market. So, you know, this is not financial advice. Let's be clear on that. People, this is a, it's a world that it's new. Um, I, I found the energy and the vibe feeling just like the dot com days. And since me and you come from that world, oh, yeah. uh, me, especially I was in corporate America doing the dot com doing global deployments. So 
this energy I'm feeling in crypto right now, it just reminds me a ton of the dot-com boom. Yeah. Pre the bust. So I love the energy. I started to get into it. My, my kids starting to realize what they're looking at. Um, you know me, I'm always into in, in emerging markets. I always like to see what my kids are seeing and what my grandkids are going to be looking at. And NFTs, I think, are actually the way of the future for our generations or our kid in their generations of 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 art ownership. I mean, realistically, it's, it's more art based. And NFT is something it could be anything from music, picture, animation, uh, models. I mean, it's it's songs. I have a collection. Uh, anything, yeah. anything you can physically have, you can put it into an NFT as long as it's digital, as, as long as it can be digitized. Right, right. Right. So that, I mean, right now, the big thing is these NFTs for comic books. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Pokemon. All of these things that you have in real world are moving into the digital world. For instance, we all know that they have Pokemon Go on the phone where you mm-hmm. can walk around and hatch. Um creatures from just the environment around you. That was an early form of an NFT, if you want to think of it that way. Really? Because they literally use somewhere physically on, as you're walking around with GPS coordinates and hatched an item that is their own item inside of their own product. That is exactly what an NFT is, except it's sitting on a blockchain that is not centralized or controlled by one entity. Sure, I can create an NFT. You could create an NFT of this show. The show could be an NFT. A podcast could be an NFT. It's just a matter of who values it and, and who wants to um, keep it with them. So, for right. instance, um, we recently lost a friend in the business. Yeah, yeah. If we were ha- if we happened to have had a lot of the bits put into NFTs, would it not be valuable for those of us that loved him and, and always wanted to be there and always kind of just go back to that as a collectible? Sure, we could pull it up on a hard drive. Sure, we could pull it up. But what if we made a thousand copies of it? So now what happens? So uh, are you limited? So like, uh, say you have, let's take that for example, because I I was just going to start throwing them up on Spreaker uh, to let people listen to them. But, but say, uh, say say I have a, I have an interview that I know we did with Peter Frampton and I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, this is uh, before Peter was ill. This is many, many years ago. If I was to take that, how do I take something physical and turn it into an NFT? What how do you? How does somebody do that? Does that mean once it's an NFT, I have to destroy it? Well, so there are some of the options, right? What is what is the collateral? What is the collateral and contract you want to give to your customer? Do you want to tell them, hey, this is a one of one, or do you want to make a thousand of them? Do you want to have a special edition number? Do you want to save it, or do you want to say, once I make this an NFT, I'll destroy the physical copies that are present, and this was now in the ether, and you're the only owner. That's the power of this. That's what I'm trying to explain. A lot of artists are starting to reclaim their own artistry. You as well. You're an artist. Our friend that we lost was an artist. Yeah. So any and everybody that has a talent that they don't believe that they can sell to the masses individually have that ability now. And that's what an NFT is, in my opinion. It is more arts-based right now. Music, video, Mm -hmm. drawings, you know, those type of things. But it's a vehicle, and that vehicle can carry anything you put in, any payload that you want to put into it in a digital manner, you can put into an NFT. And there are a lot of websites out there that will generate the NFT for you for okay. no cost. I got and it. And they'll actually it for free. But when you sell it, <laughs> then they're going to take their cut, and, just like any art dealer. And the value on it is going to be determined on, on really the, 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 the public's want for it. So it's like the, the guy who was selling the, the video, he sold a video of his kid – I think his kid making some kind of statement. It was one of the first, 
you know, viral videos on YouTube. And he sold the NFT for that. And the, the thing is, is, okay, so somebody's now going to own it. And I believe there was some big money involved in it that this guy finally sure. said, you know, this is going to go to my kid's college fund and, and help fund that because he sold that NFT. So basically, it's like selling your rights off, isn't it? To a well, certain extent. Again, it, it's all the contract. Yeah. Do you want to give out full ownership or are you agreeing that you're only going to generate X amount of these and this is a limited edition? This is a collection. So I could give you a perfect example. I am a member of, uh, I can't, I won't say the, the name of the, the website, uh, but there's a, there's a phone app and they're pretty popular right now. And they actually have licensed deals with Comic-Con and other things. And they did a Comic-Con, a virtual Comic-Con this weekend. Right. And um, I bought some NFTs um, like. Of some uh, of the discussion Batman, groups? Like Batman, Superman. Um, there's some actual. Uh, Back to the Future, I own every one of the Back to the Future um, actual NFTs. So, yeah, um, I can basically put the Back to the Future car in any scene with me, like right here. I could actually have it present in the room. Uh, if I was smart enough to, to know how to use this, I could virtually show you because I could include it on the camera. Um, it's an asset I own. So, so yeah, so because because you that. own you buy that NFT, you then have the rights to use it if you if you but again, it would depend on the contract. If the contract says owning this NFT will give you the right to use this in social media, blah blah blah. This is Correct. it's so, really kind of a brave new world. It it really is because if you go on Twitter right now, and it, I'll I'll send you the link after this, but if you go on Twitter right now and look at all the people that have actually taken pictures, there's people that are in Times Square. Um, taking pictures of themselves with the with the Back to the Future car on, I mean, on the street because you use your phone and it actually like right right here. I'm, oh I'm wow, okay, so it. becomes I I get it now. I see it. So that is your NFT. You can use it anywhere. That is my copy. All right, that I like that. Copy. So I can actually take an image on the street as it's a real car and put it out there. And yeah, it's that geeky. <laughs> well that's the other reason you like you, that's, i just love it that's why it's you like so it because it's a bit of a geek thing to it right yeah so you know all, full disclosure there was twelve thousand five hundred of these made right uh, in the ultra rare category and they were dropped at 99 dollars a piece okay all right so i paid 100 bucks for an nft that only twelve thousand five hundred were made at total so realistically you could think that the value of that thing will automatically go up Currently, it's selling in a marketplace for $160. Oh, now, wow. That's kind of neat. So if you, yeah. if the, as more and more people might hear about it, I want it. There's no more available. So it's going to drive the price Correct. up. All right. I get it now. So, so that's, there's the values. I've never understood NFTs and how the actual theory is applied and how to create value out of them. Uh, it is, uh, it is different. Now, did it take you a long time to kind of figure out how to make this work? And how to make it happen? I'm still figuring it out. Yeah. I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> it, it, this is a, I mean, but you know me well, you've known me long enough that, yeah. you know, once my mind goes somewhere, it, I'm, I'm head all the way in. Right. So, um, I really do believe that, that those of you that have the opportunity or have grandkids or kids that are into the NFTs, talk to them. Yeah. They'll, they'll know about it. The stuff. kids will know about it more than us. Anybody above 40. Right. Talk to whoever you got below you. <laughs> So it's kind of so it's kind of like all right. So I bought a Bernie a Bernie Sanders bobblehead doll back in uh, January yes. January twenty first after the inauguration. It was the 
you remember the meme with him and the mittens sitting down? This company, yes, uh, yes. Bobblehead Museum, went ahead and said, we're going to create this as a bobblehead. And I said, oh, I got to have that, right? And, um, you know, I'm, I was in a movie about Bernie Sanders, but it wasn't like, you know, a big supporter. I just thought it was the coolest thing. It was the meme that was everywhere. So I bought it. Correct. Do you know I did not get that bobblehead, though, till about uh, two and a half weeks ago? It's still cool, though. I finally got it. Yeah, I know. A little beyond the t- I kind of got it. And and I, I looked at it, and I noticed it's numbered. So basically, it's that same theory. You've got something that's numbered. Correct. They're only making a certain amount. And the same thing happens with NFTs. Somebody might say, I'm going to make five of them, and that's it. And if you have it, you can use it. Uh and I can even take your head a little further, depending on how much time we have left in the segment. But I can tell you this much. I actually own racehorses. Oh, I've been hearing about that. So real, honest, the good. Horses. Oh, digital racehorses that will run Correct. digital races. So you don't own steak. You, so you, and they can breed. Oh, how do you breed a digital horse? <laughs> With another digital horse. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Really? Oh, this nope, is, this I'm is different. Yeah, what, so uh, I actually started off with a horse uh-huh. um, that I bought, and it can join races, and you can actually train your horse based off finding the right distance that it can race. You know, is it a 2,000 meter? Is it an 1,800 meter, 1,200 meter? You pick, you know, once you find that right slot, you then got to figure out what's the best pole or the best gate for the horse. All of these things matter. So then there's generational things in the horses. The lower the Z rating on the horse or its generational rating, the better the quality of the horse. Um, and they just happen to use a model of, of you know, like Z1 through 200 and something. Right. And that anything in the top 10, like Z1 through 10, you're guaranteed no matter how much breeding happens, you've got the core of the core. So I got into what they call Genesis horses. I have a few. And I, I just sold my first NFT horse this morning when I woke up, it sold overnight and I bred it last night. <laughs> so long story short, I, you know, I'm, as I told you, I'm full disclosure, I'm NFT stuff since this is not financial advice. Yeah. It cost me 68 bucks to breed, to make the horse. And I sold the horse for $400. Oh, well, now that's pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, that's pretty nice. Your whole face changed. You yeah, understand? Did you see that? So this yeah. is not, I'm not playing with y'all. This is real stuff that's out there. Right. It is real. And, and it's uh, it, now how would you compare it to crypto as some people have been doing, you know, the crypto it and crypt- it basically is crypto, That's- right? So each NFT is a non-fungible token, which means it's physically an asset that's not a physical asset, right? It's right. it's you it's a token. So my horse that I bred, there will never be another one. It is its own bred horse. It's got its own name, it's got its own it's on the blockchain. I can move it from that wallet and that game system into my wallet. Even if the company goes away and quits doing this stuff, I have that asset for life. No, Okay. That so is, this, this brings up a good point though. Uh, and I'm wondering, do you think that one day we will see video game manufacturers that are actually creating NFTs of characters that we could own? That would be basically our digital self that we could. You're already, we're already there. You think we're already at that point? I already have a link. I can send. I got. I'm a member of ten different NFT games right now. That is that your character. NFT. It's my. It's it's a character that I created, and or I can add myself into it via. Yeah, there's worlds right now, Andy. There's worlds where you could go and buy Times Square, or, or you could like. There's a 
I, I don't even want to say the name of it again. I don't want to. I learned about this last night, even in my delirium. I'm like, are you guys kidding me? There's actually a, another real world that they're selling actually by using a Google Earth image of the real world. And yes, oh, there's you're people kidding actually me. buying. I'm not kidding. There's actually people buying up real land off of a map to own. And it has their country of origin who bought it. So you got people from Turkey, for instance, that bought downtown New York on this virtual world. And so then they can build whatever building they want. And then they hang their own NFTs inside these buildings and sell them. It is real worlds upon real worlds where you yourself can, you can build your own castle and have people visit it and sell your own collection of all your own art. You have your own gift store. <laughs> I like it. It's that crazy. I'm just telling you, there's so much we could go into. Do you think that uh, we'll see large corporations suddenly getting into that? Like Disney, for example, you got a Disney NFT theme park. Could that happen? So this one world I just told you about, uh, there are three major corporations that have facilities inside of this earth or slash world. Um, small companies, little soda pop companies like Coke, um, a small distributor like Amazon and oh, a wow. few others wow. actually have things in that realm and are actually starting to do more. This is amazing. Uh, and again, it's uh, called NFTs. I've been wanting to find out about it. You know, no, nobody else in the show has really taken that plunge and started uh, playing around with it, but it does sound like it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of things that press people do. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I have to ask you, um, Oh, we have had uh, a couple of uh, requests for the show uh, and wanted to address this. And actually, I was supposed to address it last week. Tina had sent us an email. Um, she was in a situation where she works from home, but she has a computer at her office. They don't have an IT guy, but um, her boss had told her, find a way that you can connect with your computer. And, you know, that way you can work your files and you don't have to come in as often uh, and, and do something like that. So she wanted to know what we would recommend as a work from home type of way to connect to her PC at home. And, you know, um, she actually mentioned in the old days, she used PC anywhere. Do you remember? I mean, if, I don't know if you remember oh, yeah. that PC anywhere was a great program and I don't know why PC anywhere um, PC went away ahead of its time. If you ask me, uh, but then we had go to my PC, which gave you the ability to connect to your PC, uh, and do stuff that way. And there's some other options on the market. And I, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts too. What would be probably one of the best ways? Um, there are options. Uh, TeamViewer is one of them. Uh, unattended access TeamViewer. The other one is Real VNC. Can you think of any others? And, and what would be some of the downsides to using this type of technology? So anytime you open up a remote control or remote access to any device, it's it's fallible. It's able to be hacked. It's able to, you know, somebody's able to get in there. It could be a security um, risk, yeah. It, 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 no matter what you do. I have actually found one of the simplest, free, but most secure ways of doing it. And I know I hate, I, I, I when I say this, I know I can get trolled real hard. <laughs> but Google, if you have a Google account, or if you haven't set up a Google account with your company, use your company's email address to set up a personal Google account on the machine at work. And you can install their remote desktop client. 
You can also establish two-factor authentication directly in the browser with its Google Authenticator or on your cell phone. And then you it's for free. So at your browser at home, you can actually create that same Google account that will link you to your work without having to create a VPN. It will create a VPN. It will create the direct connection to the, to the desktop that you have at work through a browser, all secured with a two-factor authentication and a Google account that you can burn in a minute if you have to. Right. Just, Just get rid of it if you had to do that. Yeah. Just saying it's free. And that's one of the easiest, in my opinion, that I've learned works even better than the team viewers and the VNCs and the um, Zoho's and all those others out there. Oh, I forgot about Zoho. Yeah, Zoho has been around yeah. a long time. We've had a, we've had him on the show before when I I want to say right. uh, maybe when we were even in Palm Springs that we, we had them on the show when they maybe were first might starting be. out. It might have been. But um, yeah. Wow. That's kind of cool. All right. So that's one you would recommend. It's uh, Google. Getting, setting up a Google account with your company. But again, talk to your boss. Make sure it's something you can do. Uh, is What are the security precautions should somebody take, though, in this case? Well, that's what I was saying. It, for me, if you're going to go the Google route, which is the easiest to secure because it only will require two-factor authentication. It doesn't mm -hmm. require any router permissions or anything on the firewall at, the, at work. It will use its own tunnel that it will create off the browser. And we all know Google. I would rather that the parts that they are spying on is used for good. <laughs> no, jo joking, joking, people. I'm a comedian, okay? Listen, I joke a lot, okay? Um, <laughs> well, if you're going to spy on the, me, look at this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that that um, it's always Google Chrome. Look, Chrome browser, all the browsers report back to the head end of whoever the browser is. Whether you believe it or not, Microsoft, Chrome, uh, Brave, Mozilla, all of them report back to their servers for services. So I trust that as my, if I have two-factor authentication enabled with my Google account, that's about as secure as it's going to get yeah. out of all of them. Yeah. I still want them to bring back PC anywhere. It just made it super easy. But that was the that was the dial-up thing. I just love the transferring of file, right? You could also get – you had the serial cable that you put between your two PCs. Yep. You put the PC Anywhere disk in, and you could just copy the heck out of that thing. It was beautiful. So easy to use. and So easy. You know, Symantec came along, and then, you know, then they, they swooped it up, and then it was like suddenly it wouldn't work anymore. And then it was like, no, but it made yeah. it so easy. Well, don't, don't forget Windows XP – or, well, Windows 95 kind of put a little cramp in it, how it was working, because they actually had their own file transfer yeah. in 95. And yeah. then it just seemed like Microsoft was just pushing them out like they did with most of the other stuff back then. Yeah, and It really was. There still is remote desktop, which you can use with Windows-based computers. You know, uh, but if you wanted to set something up for, you know, remote access, suddenly it's at 2, two o'clock in the morning, you realize, oh, I need that file. Uh, that's a way to do it, and you can do it with a file transfer. I use Google Drive a lot to be able to transfer files back and forth if if I need to, and that works out pretty good. I had somebody the other day need a yeah. file, and that was the easiest way. That or you know use Dropbox or any of those other services that are pretty easy. No, but I think you're. That's what I'm saying. I think you're kind of touching what I was mentioning, though. It's it, I I advise everybody that is working for a company if they if they if you could if you have the ability to create a Google account, use your corporate email as the email when it asks you how do you want to sign up for this Google account. You can still use your real name and everything, but it uses your corporate email instead of the Gmail account. And then you get all of these services for free, the Dropbox and or the, the Google Drive and everything. That, to me, is how you're going to remote work 90% of your time anyway is with that account that you can, you know, if you ever go to another company or whatever, you can always delete that account yourself. It's over. All right. Now, have you had a chance, and we haven't talked to you since the announcement was made about Windows 11. Um, have you had a chance to take a look? at what Windows 11 is promising and, and some thoughts? 
so you you do realize I'm an insider, and you know that. Yeah. You know that all of my machines are insiders. So what do you think I've been dealing with? You've what been do you dealing, really think's been happening? You've been dealing with Windows 11. <laughs> we don't have enough time on this segment to talk about what I do and don't see. <laughs> well, there's a problem. Before we go to break, I want to tell you about the problem. Uh, and the problem is uh, people have been getting emails from what they believe was Microsoft. Saying mm-hmm. we uh, we you know you're a valued uh, Windows user and because of that we want to give you a look at Microsoft Windows 11 early. Uh, we want you to be able to try it out. Click here. And the problem is some people are falling for it, clicking and then infecting their computers with malware. And this brings up you you mentioned the Insider program. This brings up that very important point. If you get an email like this, or you get somebody who says, hey, I got Windows 11 over here, don't install it. (laughs) Because again, the only way to get Windows 11 right now, and anybody can do this. I mean, you can go online to the Insider Program and sign up, and you could go ahead and take the jump, um, is being a Windows Insider, uh, being part of that program, uh, which doesn't cost anything, but yet people are falling for it. I'm a comedian. Okay? Did you go over the 10 day rollback? Because uh, now how, how it's working, Microsoft is setting this up that if you go over 10 days, you cannot roll back to Windows 10. You're not going to be able to do that. Have you gone past that? What I advise everybody not to do is to upgrade an insider preview when you're getting ready to go out of town. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> that says it all. We'll take a break. We come back. We want to find out more since you are an insider. I don't know if you signed an NDA, but you can tell us a little bit about what to expect with Windows 11. We come back with Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. And I'm Broadway. You can find us on the web at techtalkradio.com. And now, back to Tech Talk Radio. Hi, this is Adrienne Barbeau. You're listening to Tech Talk Radio, and you're going to learn a lot. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. I'm Broadway. I'm Andy Taylor. So uh, before the break, we were talking about uh, Windows 11 and the fact that yeah, you, I do know you're on the Insider program. I am too, but I haven't figured out if I really want to get the build yet to take a look at it. You know, there's been a lot of concern with the the Microsoft timeline, which of course got me yeah. kicked off the show a couple of weeks ago because I had it so wrong. Yeah. But, you know, you, you look at it and we, we're at Windows 10 now. The previous was, well, some people will say it was Windows 7. It was really Windows 8, which wasn't that yeah, great. About that one in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. wasn't that great. They kind of fixed some of the issues that, with A1. Let's, let's, let's fix your time problem. What happened before Windows 7? Before Windows 7, it was Windows XP. No, it was Windows Vista. Wait. See, I still haven't gotten it down. <laughs> Okay, so long story short, what we're trying to get to, since Andy can't get us the timeline correctly, and I'm not going to embarrass myself even further by messing it up further, um, bottom line is every other major release we know for a fact with Microsoft has had problems. We could go all the way back to Windows ME. We can go through, like you mentioned, Windows Vista, Mm -hmm. uh, Windows 8, Windows XP Service Pack 2. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like if you were in that realm. Um, Service Pack 3 was the best out of those three different variants. XP was the one that we got. And and I'll give everybody this. XP was the one OS that they didn't actually change and try to throw us into a new version. They kept just trying to do Service Packs. After that, that's when we stopped doing Service Packs. They actually just started giving us these half releases or these mid-releases between major releases. 
I think that's what 11 is right now. Yes, am I allowed to say it? I don't know. Am I going to get in trouble? Slap my hand, Microsoft. I think what we're looking at is another Windows ME or another Windows Vista or another Windows 8. It's just going to be a very small jump through this to get to the next iteration. What I am seeing is more tailored to the tablet phone. They're pushing that Windows 10 mobility or usability between application or between devices um, even more. They're pushing more stuff into the actual app store with this, where it's no actual, you can barely find your, your control panels, your device managers in the old way, like you can currently with Windows 10. Right. Uh, they're removing those and putting in more of the, uh, window, I mean, I, I don't know how much you guys have talked about this already, but if people don't know, you have Windows 10 apps and then you also have actual Windows applications. Right. That world is now blurred more or pushed more into the Windows 10 app realm. So you're going to have quick on the fly, smaller apps. See, I'm not a big fan of that. I, I you I'm know, not I'm, I'm, I'm not, not. I, I like to be able to, I went through this the other day when I was trying to find a file and it was trying to push me into an app and I wouldn't know. I wanted to download it, I wanted that application there. And then, you know, Microsoft's made other changes over the years that have made me happy. Of course, if you remember, Live Mail was easy to use. It was very, very easy interface. And then they went to this Windows 10 mail that just drove me nuts. And I ended up finding the the Live Mail and, and putting that on a system that I needed that on because I said, no, I can't go to this. I'm worried what we're gonna see in Windows 10 when it comes to that integration. Of course, the goal is, I would think, well, go ahead and push you to Outlook or push you into, you know, the Office well, Office 365. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to bring that up is because my Hotmail account, which is connected to the Skype that we talk on, I've mm -hmm. had this forever. I mean, since me and you've known each other, I've had this account. This account is so old that I have further connected a real email address, my personal one that you also know, to this Microsoft account. It wasn't until the insider preview that was installed that my Outlook quit working with this account because now it wants to see my personal email as no longer my personal email, but it forces it to go to Outlook or oh, Hotmail.com. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a second. It's still a personal email, though. I, you don't host that email address. You just use it to authenticate. But it can't even separate that because of the way it's doing the applications. So it's now taking the Office apps that are used in the Windows 10 app version mm -hmm. and not the actual application itself. And I don't want to sound like two old men just complaining, but that's exactly what we're doing right now because it, it, look, if you're going to try to make it easier for us because we're old and dumb and slow and we don't understand seamless technology, then give us an application that is seamless. Don't take away the functionality that's currently working and break it. That's my rant. And that's kind of, that's kind of how I feel with it. Now we're, we hear a lot of talk about when it comes to windows 11 about the, the, the look it's, it's about the look and it's about, you know, the, the curve, the, the rounded edges and, you know, and, and some people have said it's more Mac like, and well, that's fine and yes. dandy, but for me, it's gotta be about productivity. It's gotta be about the connectivity. It's gotta be about, you know, being able to use it as I've been using it to get my stuff done. And if it will help me get it done faster, then that makes me even happier. But if it now suddenly I have to learn a whole new interface, I think you're going to find a lot of people over the age of 35, 40, going, wait a minute, I've been using Windows for 20 years. I don't want it to change drastically again. I don't want this. Otherwise, I would have gone out and bought a Mac. I mean, that's, but if you look at all the OSs out there, whether it's an Android, a Mac, a Windows device, it doesn't matter. They're all going to that CSS, glossy little, you know, real easy web-based look. 
that's what we're getting. We're getting things that are going to be more cloud and web based. Not so much, you know, it doesn't need an actual GUI or an OS to sit there. It, it can be served up onto an application. Right, right. As, well, as, as, a, as an application. Let's not forget that Monday will be the launch of Windows 365. Now, I was thinking I really wanted to look at this. I wanted to try this. I wanted to see Windows in the cloud. Meaning, uh, for those that are wondering, that would mean I could take a be at your house. And I go, oh, I want to I get on my computer. No problem. I go ahead. I go to your computer. I go to the web, right? Hopefully Microsoft Edge. I log in to my Windows 365 account, and there is my computer. I am there. Like using, you know, uh, VNC, you know, PC Anywhere, Google, whatever we were talking about earlier. I am suddenly on my computer, uh, and I can use it in the cloud and do all that. And then when I log out, it goes away. And I thought the concept, I liked it, but then I, I had heard, and again, I don't know if they've introduced a different price structure. It was going to be $31 per month per user if you're in a organization and you want to be able to do something like this, which organizations could do this if they wanted to on a server-based system, which you know that. Um, I don't know if Windows 365 is going to be successful. I can tell you from the things I've read and the white papers and the, and the stuff I've played with, Everything is moving to the cloud and everything is being pulled off of on-site. And what scares me about this is us home users um, that are that have professionals in the home still. Yes, I'm retired, but my wife still owns a company. She still does things daily on a professional basis. <laughs> Her customers have on-site servers. They have domains. And when they talk about moving even a domain from a small little mom and pop company up into the cloud and moving everything to the cloud, you're still sticking all the eggs in one basket. They don't they don't want to talk about. They're assuming everybody in rural America is going to have that good internet or is going to have you know capable internet. Yeah, we've talked about Starlink. Yeah, we talked about DSL services. Yeah, we talked about upgraded fibers in these rural places. But I'm sorry if you don't if you haven't used dial up speeds for remote accessing anything in the cloud, you're not going to understand the pain of 80% of America that was still going to face that. Oh yeah. And, and that's what I don't think these cloud services, I don't think that I don't, I really don't think, well, let me back up. I don't want to sound um, disrespectful or anything, but I, I, it's just, it seems to be the snobbery of, of technology right now. They, they think that we're ready for this. They think that we're ready to have this level of, of service for the masses. And I just, there's a very, it's a very hard climb for me right now to go from on-site services to cloud services totally without having a lot of pain for a lot of people in America. See me, per I'm just saying. Personally, I would rather have a laptop with me that has my files, that has my programs, my applications that I need to use. And if I need to use it, I'll open it up, grab a file, do what I need to do, print out a document and print it and be done. Uh, and, and that works fine for me. The idea of going to a terminal, logging in, doing that all there, that is just, to me, it's just, no, I, I, I like to be able to have it in my hands. And people will say, well, you're just thinking old, Andy. That's just, you know, the old way of thinking. The new way is in the cloud. Well, I don't mind storing files in the cloud. I don't mind having that. But I want my computing to happen in front of me, uh, you know, to be actually typing and doing what I need to do there. And I, I don't know if, if everybody will buy into it. You know, when Microsoft uh, put Office 365 in the cloud and said, we need to get away from, 
you know, the, the installed software off a CD and we need to put it so you can log in, you can do it that way. Yeah, I'm an Office 365 user and I've used it at home as well. I have the actual, I bought the, the license, so I have it downloaded on my computer, but it's nice if I want to, I can do that. I get a little extra with the cloud version. I can do dictation. That makes it nice. But do I want to use an OS that's going to be that way? I don't know about that. I, and, and that's where I'm at. I think that that we have to have hardware, right? We have to have something on our side, a laptop, a tablet, a phone. You're going to have hardware. Do we need to have full OSs um, that are resource hungry? I'm I, I'm with at Microsoft and Google and all these people. I agree. Cloud services are a better package. Little Docker VMs or little you know little VMs that are able to just be ran on anything. I'm okay with. But until you can fix the security questions in my head, mm-hmm. and until you can guarantee me that an employee can't grab all of my stuff and put it online somewhere else for free or for their benefit, I'm just I'm still worried about wanting to have my own physical control of my assets. And I know I talked earlier about 2FA, uh, you know, two-factor authentication. As long as Google or Microsoft will still allow me to use my thumb or eye or fingerprint of some sort to protect anything that's in their cloud and not even themselves can get into it, then that's a different conversation. Yeah. But I haven't seen that yet. No, we have not seen that yet. Uh, so what what <laughs> what else have you been working on that uh, that you thought was pretty, anything groundbreaking other than the NFT world and the crypto world that you thought, yeah, I kind of like this. I kind of like where it's going. Um, AI. I've been looking at a lot of AI stuff. And um, I think one of the biggest sleepers that we've seen come out of the, this whole NFT, Bitcoin, crypto, mining, I don't know, you know, all of those different hardware issues. We had chipset problems. We can't get it. You know, all of this has kind of spotlighted or shown a light towards the AI community because the AI community is actually the biggest number crunchers in our world. So one of the sleeper products out there is the NVIDIA DGX station. I don't know if you've heard about this no, device. No, I haven't. What is I don't it? know if you know about this device. This device is one of the meanest machines available to corporate America, even a smaller corporation. You can rent the servers, you know, anywhere from five to 10 grand a month, or you can pay the 180,000 baseline for it. Wow. It is a very expensive device, but here's the power behind it. It can run a full corporation of upwards of a thousand people and probably a thousand different automated devices without even blinking an eye. It is able to run um, it, it, Google, Amazon, the big players use rack servers of this product. Right. So they have uh, racks that have eight of these in them. And that's where you buy and rent your GPU resources and or your AI services from. I believe that the price are going to co- keep coming down. They've dropped drastically since they were uh, brought out er- uh, early 2020 or right. late 2020. Um, the prices have already come down over 60,000. I think it's going to come down some more. And I think that once they get into the 100,000 range, it would be no different than us buying a rack mount of servers or a rack of servers in our day. But I believe that the AI capabilities of this is what we're talking about. When you asked about the cloud, your next thing is to have your own cloud. Your next thing is to have your own intelligence, your own VMs, your own uh, your own virtual machines, your own server that can do it all. And I think that emerges, that is the new emerging technology that I think that nobody's seen or understands the power of because of the way it's priced. Yes, NVIDIA came out of the box priced really high, but I think that this is a sleeper product that you're going to start seeing more of in, in corporate America all the way around. We're going to take a quick break. We come back with more of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Broadway. And you can follow us on Twitter at Tech Talk Radio.
Now, back to Tech Talk Radio. So have you gotten into uh, home assistance at all? Have you done, because uh, I know, you know, we were talking about, about this a couple of years ago. You were really going all out and you were doing, you know, the, the fridge connected refrigerator and doing all that. Have you, and you weren't too happy with what you got. What about now? Where, where are you at? I'm still suffering. You're still suffering? I'm still trying. Still I'm still trying to, to have it all connected. Yeah. Like, I'm so frustrated with all these devices. Okay. So I put a TV in my RV. That TV, because it's a special, smart Samsung TV connected to my SmartThings app. Right. Well, my SmartThings app says, you're not at home, so you can't watch your TV. It's like, duh, it's in my <laughs> RV. <laughs> have you gone into the Amazon world at all? Have you stuck with, you know, kind of the an- Android type platform um i we have a little bit of all so Mm -hmm. we have uh some amazon we have some android we have some samsung's got the androids got the amazons and got the apples and the apples as well yeah got a little bit of it all well so uh amazon is is really trying to make sure that you enjoy uh your alexa devices and they've been doing different things with them uh i don't know if you got it i paid the two bucks and i got it um the same guy who would buy a Bernie Sanders bobblehead, but uh, for $2, the Samuel L. Jackson Amazon Alexa voice. And how it works is you don't get him as a normal voice, but when you want to, and when you're setting it up, you have the uh, opportunity to tell him, keep it G-rated, or go ahead and you know be Samuel L. Jackson from the movies. Uh, but Samuel L. Jackson is one of those voices, and you could ask, you know, hey, uh, uh, Alexa, have Samuel L. Jackson tell me the weather. Now, since then, they have also introduced Baby Groot, Melissa McCarthy, and just recently Shaquille O'Neal that can also do those same services. You can have them tell you the weather, the time. You can play a game with them. You can have them ask you a trivia question, tell you a joke. There's all kinds of things, but it was two bucks. Well, what they're doing now is they found that uh, some women were not big fans of women, the, the female voice that is prevalent on the Amazon Alexa devices. So if you if you notice the standard voice on Alexa is a female voice. Well, they decided to go ahead and introduce Ziggy, which they did in this past week. Uh, Ziggy is not Ziggy from the cartoons. It is a, a male voice now, and it's very easy to do. So if you get yourself an Amazon Alexa device and you want to do it, and it was really funny because I, I, I actually tried it, and the way to do it to see if it rolled out, and you could try this too, uh, a little later on there, uh, Broadway, as you could say, Alexa, change your voice. And it will just, your blue light will ring up and light up and you'll be done. Then anytime you ask it a question, it will be a male voice that will be answering. Do you have Alexa on that? Go, go, I do have Alexa. Go ahead and give it a shot. Let's see if it works. Alexa, change your voice. Alexa, change your voice. Yeah, it may, it may not even give you a prompt. Then... If you ask it to tell you the time, it might be in a male voice. It's already there. It's up on the screen on the TV. I can't, I can't show the camera up there, but yeah, it's doing it. And wow. it is now a different voice. Now, if you want to go back, uh, you never can. You're stuck with that male voice from now on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You the look on your face. No, if you want to go back, you just tell it to change your voice again. So now you have a choice, male or female voice, uh, to be able to set that up. And that's, you know, it's kind of a neat thing. And it's funny, though, because once I did change to the male voice because Gloria noticed whenever I tell Alexa good night, which I will do, I'll set an alarm. You do tell her good night. I do. Oh, that's your alarm. Okay. So it's yeah. not a routine. I'll, I'll send I mean, a, it's an actual routine that you said, yeah. not just something you do. Yeah. I'll say okay. good night and it'll go through and it will always say good night, Andy. And she, she gets like jealous. She's like, how come she always says like, good night to you? She doesn't say it to me. 
I said, I don't know. But so we set it up for the male voice. And right away, she's like, no, go back to the female voice. I don't like that voice. So it's, it's funny how we women say they don't like that voice. But yet when you give it the male one, they don't want it. So they want it to go back. I mean, it's sort of like how I always like my devices to talk to me in a British accent because I, it makes me feel like they're smart. I mean, I, you know, as a Southerner, it's just what we do. We, you know, not to make a joke, but it is funny. I mean, it is. We <laughs> actually think people that have an accent are smarter than us when it's not actually the case. Although those of us that have this kind of accent sound or yeah, we're pretty much as we sound anyway. <laughs> um, it, it's <laughs> Well, I had somebody once comedian, tell me. Folks. I had somebody once tell me because you, you know you've got that Southern Texas kind of. Somebody once told me they said I like that guy who does the Tech Talk show with you, who sounds like Dave Ramsey. And I'm thinking, Dave Ramsey? Are you serious? Yes, that, I hear that all the time. Like I don't even is my accent that thick? It I is thought pretty, as I got older, it, is yeah, it? It is pretty thick. Yes, <laughs> yes, <Dang>. it is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank uh, God my oldest daughter's not on here. Cause she's her, hers is really thick. Yeah, well, she's been in Texas her whole life, right? Is that uh, and then she moved? Uh, most most of it. Now, They've did she move Texas back with you life. to Wisconsin, or is she still in Texas? Nobody's up here with us except for the baby, right? And he's an eighteen-year-old baby. So, he, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, that's a whole other conversation of why I've missed a few shows because I've been thinking about making another one instead of keeping this one. <laughs> say that's a little too much information there john i was, uh, was a little frightened there at that uh but but we are seeing uh, now amazon is is trying to make sure that you are really getting a piece of their 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 alexa devices and the, the reason for that is because they're tied to amazon shopping and that has been that has been something that they really want to make sure that if you want to shop you could just say you want it and we talked a few weeks ago on the show and we talked about uh, mom and pops and we were talking about how, you know, Amazon has taken some of that mom and pop business. And, you know, the, 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 I still believe in, in supporting the mom and pops, but I do have to say, just like any industry, mom and pops have got to tend to their business. They want to survive and I want them to survive. We've got some great businesses here in Green Valley that are mom and pops I want them to survive, but they got to tend to the business. If you have a frontline worker that is, that has no care, that doesn't really, really care what the bottom line is. For example, we called a place, uh, Gloria needed a part. And so she called a local shop. The guy that answered said, was nice. He said, let me see if I have that. He was off for about two minutes. When he got back on the phone, he goes, yeah, it doesn't look like we have that here. Did he say, let me see if I can order it for you and give a time when he could get it in stock? He did not. Gloria went to Amazon, ordered the part, had it the next day delivered. So that's why I say tending to the business is one of the ways to battle Amazon and some of the other, you know, online shopping outlets that are out there. They're convenient, they're great, they're fast, but mom and pops are a great way to support our communities. But when that happens, it makes you say, come on, get with the program. I think one of the biggest issues we have in our, it, it's just, a, it, as you're, you're telling the local businesses to get with the program, um, it's just like the old uh, computer repair shop that always stuck themselves right next to the fries. 
yeah, what officially the, say the company yeah. names now because they're no longer in business. Yes. But you made a, t you, you know, those little co companies made a killing repairing PCs and other items that were bought right there at the fries. And they go ahead and take the return in on their side because they knew they could just go with their employees over there and deal with the return instead of what most customers did. And honestly, that's what we're talking about here. Amazon can't give you the customer service that you get in person. Right. So if somebody walks into your establishment, you should be acting just as efficiently as Amazon. If you can't at least make it seem like you're willing to go that route. Um, and I, and I think that's the failure we do have. Um, Amazon will just take the parts or product back without even questioning it. Yeah. Right. But the fact that you have to return a part is a problem. If you have a place where you can physically go and have that in hand and ready to go is always going to be a better value. Understand it's hard to carry inventory and stock and those type of things. But I can tell you, I know your wife well enough to know that if I was that person and took her information and says, you know what, but I'll try to find it and get it here for you by tomorrow. Is that okay? She would have took it. She would have said, okay. She would have said, yeah, good. Okay, I'll wait till Done. tomorrow. But they sure. didn't even offer. Just no, we don't have that here. No. And th no. they have a couple of other stores too. They could have done it. I mean, they're Correct. not that huge a company, but didn't even bother to say, let me call around. Let me see where they have it. And that that's why I say you got to tend, tend to the businesses beyond opening the doors, closing the door, vacuuming the floor. It's about teaching those employees that they need to go that extra step for that customer service. That's super important. And I mean, if they really want to be smart about it, why not use Amazon services as your own? I mean, you could always sign up as a reseller. Mm -hmm. And if you ain't got the product, but your customers want it, you could just order it directly as a business customer and then get a cash back incentive as a business to business purchase through Amazon. Yeah. I'm not shilling Amazon here. I'm just saying that those things exist for small businesses. Amazon at least does offer a percentage and kickback on products sold through them under your own awesome, under your own name and in, in front store, frontline store. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying. A good There's point. a lot of ways to, to, to get this going. Uh, all right. So for anybody that is uh, looking to uh, find a security solution for them, uh, for their computers, and I always like to make sure we kind of revisit this. You've, you've been gone for a few weeks. We've talked about some of the other ones that have been on the market. Uh, I wanted to get kind of your thoughts on this as well. Uh, somebody's looking, you know, maybe they were part of uh, a cable service that offered free, you know, internet security, and some of those are going away. So what, what, where does somebody go? What are some of the different options? Um, we recently had a situation with one of my, my people that I work with that suddenly in the middle of what we were doing said, I'm, I can't, I've got to shut down your antivirus and firewall and all this stuff because it's just not working for us. And when I told him, I said, have you ever heard of ESET? He said, I've never heard of it. And this is a, this was an IT guy at a big company. And I thought, how could you have not have heard of ESET? So anyway, do you have a recommendation for somebody, somebody right now that says, I don't have any security. Maybe I'm using the free McAfee or the trend micro uh, that came with my computer. What would you recommend them look at? Um, I've always been about the free world as much as possible. So clam win, you know, it's clam AV. Um, I also still use Microsoft majority, a majority with windows defender. Right. And I honestly don't download a lot of stuff. I actually don't click on a lot of links. Um, I use a Brave browser uh, with all of its securities built in. Um, 
Honestly, I'm the wrong person to ask because I've been on the computer for so long that I pretty much have learned that <laughs> things you don't there's click no on. There's no such thing as good. There's no such thing. There's no such, you know, there's nothing as a true. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a cynic when it comes to this stuff. You know this. I don't know why you want to talk to me about antivirus and spyware stuff because realistically, I can tell you every software to use CC Cleaner, Malware Bytes. Um, you know, there's a plethora of little applications you can use to give yourself security, but ultimately, you, the user, are your best defense. That is so true. I just, I'm just saying, we have to educate, you know, you were just saying teach businesses how to act better. Well, we need to teach ourselves how to internet better because realistically we're clicking on links that you, you know, you don't know that person and you know, there's nobody with $3 million in South Africa wanting to give you that money. <laughs> Will you stop clicking on the link? Really people? All right, really? we're gonna, do, we're we have gonna, to, uh, do we have to? We're going to take another quick break. We'll be back with more of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Broadway. We'll be back. And now, back to Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. I'm Broadway. And I'm Andy Taylor. So good to have Broadway back as well. Now, uh, if you want to find out more about Broadway, you could certainly hit up our website and check out the About Us, the staff page, and look at Broadway right there. And I've got a great picture. I'm trying to decide, should I share that one of you in the long hair? Should uh, I put that in there? Are you <laughs> Yeah, I mean, why not? I'll put it up on I've this done, week's I've link. Done, I've done more for less for you, Andy. Let's just go ahead and bring up all the old stuff. Let's go. Oh, yes. I think we might have some of those pictures as well. Uh, for those that don't know, John and I have known each other forever. Uh, Broadway was the first producer of The Morning Show with Barry and Andy. Uh, yeah, back in what? Gosh. Uh, 92. Yeah, we're talking 90. way back in 92. We were talking about websites of the week. All right. What, what, and we were trying to, you and I were trying to come up with, and we thought, you know what? We talked about NFT at the beginning of the show. We want to give a website. So those listeners that want to kind of follow it, maybe look a little more into it. What would you recommend? What is this site? This site is the NFT, the first NFT site I went to, and it has the horses on it and it has I didn't even tell you about my racing chickens. I also have chickens. Oh, no. You do not. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, that's a whole other story. We'll save that for another show. But the site is called OpenSea.io. OpenSea.io. Is that so the open and then sea, just like the seas, the oceans? Okay. I was going to say, is that the so, letter C or the, yeah. Okay. It, yeah. It's, o, it's, so it's, O P E N S E A open C dot I O yes, right. not dot com or any of those. It's dot I O that website is where you can find me and all of my stuff. Um, you actually, uh, you can look at other people's collections. You can search collections. You can look at the value of the collections. It is traded using Ethereum. So for those of you that know anything about the crypto world, you will have to have a wallet. It will ask you to connect your wallet and put some Ethereum into your account, or you could just buy your first NFT with a credit card right there on their website. Your call, your choices, not financial advice. Um, it's art. It's something that you find value in. Nobody else does. That's that's the bottom line. I just think that this is really cool. There's a lot of really nice things happening there, and I think your kids uh, are probably already there. And you will seem like the extra cool parent if you could say, hey, what's up with OpenSea? <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for coming on the show this week. Uh, we'll have, uh, hopefully you could join us again next week. I know we all run really crazy schedules, but it's good to see it again. Uh, you can find us on the web at techtalkradio.com. I'm Andy Taylor. 
and on Broadway. Have yourselves a great week.